Industry-leading, difference-making, tomorrow-shaping, world-changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out. Join us, and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career too. Explore technology careers at Deloitte.com slash techcareers and make an impact on business, technology, and society while engineering your future. At Deloitte. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. This week, the Denver Broncos take on the evil empire that is the New England Patriots. Carl and Nick preview the game. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dummler, and with me, as always, we have Nick Kendall. Nick, this last Sunday was quite the disgrace, and so I thought here real quick, I'd give you the chance to to hype up your Iowa Hawkeyes taking down the Ohio State. You guys can't see it right now, but I'm dabbing just back and forth. The Paxton Lynch just over and over again, super awkward. Uh, yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, I I love the system that we're running here at Iowa. Brian Ferentz is the son of head coach Kirk Ferentz, and he was, unfortunately, this is, I guess this is a kind of ironic, but he was in the Patriots organization for a few years, um, offensive quality control, and then he was the tight ends coach for Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez in those years where those Patriots had those awesome, awesome offenses. Some of my favorite in the NFL the past few years when they ran that uh, 21 personnel, the two tight ends, and uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes this week. Four touchdowns and over like 180 yards to their two tight ends, who are both sophomores. So I think it's an offense that's going to stick around for the next couple of years, and I'm excited about it. I'm actually trying to convince my friend to road trip up to Madison, Wisconsin, to watch the game there this weekend. So we'll see. But it's it's a fun time to be a Hawkeye, and I'm also loving that the uh, well, not loving. It's a little bittersweet, but I think the Iowa Hawkeye quarterback might be a better NFL player than anybody the Broncos have on the roster right now, oh, quarterback wise. <laughs> <laughs> quarterback yeah, wise it's, it's hard to argue anybody being a better quarterback than what we have on our roster right now it's it's, yeah, it's pretty bad pretty bad but not good yeah yeah anyway this show's focus is all things that pertain to your denver broncos we'll be bringing you the game previews every single week to get you ready for the upcoming game and how to be watching the game hopefully as a smarter fan with nick and myself being film junkies we'll be bringing you these previews with the, with a scout based perspective breaking down the matchups from a player's skill set, and, of course, an X's and O's perspective. You can follow myself on Twitter, at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick, at Nick Kendall MHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have, because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account, at HuddleUpPod. Make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are. 
So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. We also want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is all about the excitement of making accurate sports predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. It's totally recreational and there are all kinds of prizes. In today's climate, the fantasy industries have made watching football a lot more interesting. So go to MyBookie.net and compete for great prizes, totally free. Well, we've made it to to week 10 for the Broncos. And of course, we're not quite where, where we were hoping this team would be. And I was really hoping that this game against the Patriots would be just a huge game for playoff implications. And uh, it's it's nowhere near that. And I I get the, the great joy. I don't, maybe it's not going to be a great joy. We'll find out soon enough of getting to go to this game on Sunday night football. Ordered this back when they had the half price tickets going on. And, and I was just so excited for this. And I was hoping maybe my, my boy Paxson would get the chance to start. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen. I think they've already named Brock Osweiler the starter for this week. And just there's not a lot of hope right now. I, I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. It's just kind of a this isn't the Broncos year. I, I guess that maybe that's the easiest way to say it. Every team has those down years. Patriots are going to have a down year eventually when Brady retires and Hoodie retires. And that's coming in the next few years, you would hope, right? <laughs> Gosh, it's it's time. Goodness gracious, I am so tired of them. I hate them. Like, I literally, there's, I don't, I don't like the Raiders and the Chiefs, but like, I'm so tired of the goddamn Patriots. Like, it's, it's, it's enough. And like, you have like, we live in, you know, flyover country. I'm sure you probably know Patriots fans, just like stupid bandwagon fans. Not bandwagon, but like, oh, these teams are good. I played them in video games growing up. So now I'm a Patriot fan. Look at my Tom Brady jersey. Get out of here. You're the worst. You're the worst kind of fan. Go put that jersey away with your LeBron James jersey and your Sidney Crosby jersey. And, you know, uh, you probably cheered for the, the Russians in Rocky Four. Like, just, just get out of here. Yeah. I, it always cracks me up. Patriot fans love to do the whole, the NFL hates us, and they're always out to get us. And I'm going, you you have five Super Bowl trophies. How much are they really out to get you? <laughs> I'm sorry, but they, they've gotten some some nice breaks, some nice calls. The what, what was that called against the Raiders back in 2002? Yeah. Tuck rule. Yeah. Yeah. The tuck rule. They, they've had some, some nice bounces go their way to, to be where they are today. And, oh man. Yeah. I, I know plenty of, of Patriot Homer fans or, uh, yeah, bandwagon fans. It, they're, they're everywhere for sure. You and I have, we're, we're both in that range where, you know, kids are starting to figure out who they like and they of course go towards the team that's winning at that time. And, and so a lot of people our age seem to be those, those Patriot fans. So I love to have them beat, love to see them cry a little bit because they always have something to say. I remember uh, just thinking back on Brock Osweiler in that 2015 season and how many of them after that snowy game where he made that nice comeback win in overtime. Oh my goodness. The refs, Oh, they're out to get us. They are so terrible. And then Bronco fans came to the rescue and tweeted out a bunch of pictures of like Von Miller having guys grab him from behind and bear hug him to the ground and, <laughs> and, and no call of course being on those plays, just kind of yeah. the, kind of the normal for Von Miller. That's just kind of how the, that goes for him on most games, but yes, big game. Well, I mean, I say big game, but just because 
probably the biggest rival for the Broncos over the last six, seven years, Patriots. I know you like to have those divisional rivals, but when you think about games that have mattered most, it's really been against the Patriots. Playoff games, games that decide home field advantage. So yeah, the, the, these have been really big games, and and it's been really nice that the Broncos, for the most part, have been able to handle the Patriots. But this game, <laughs> especially after what happened last week, it, it's hard to have a whole lot of confidence. But I do think the Broncos have some advantages if they can take advantage of them. That, that's that's always the key. And so I wanted to start with that with with a big key matchup for the Broncos, and it is their offensive line versus the Patriots defensive line. What do, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, the Broncos' offensive line was uh, did not have a good game last week. Granted, the Philadelphia Eagles' defensive front four is probably one of the best and deepest in the NFL. I'm not sure if you uh, – you know uh, Schwartz, Jim Schwartz? Mm-hmm. He is the – let me make sure this is 100% sure. Defensive, oh, Jim Schwartz is the defensive coordinator right now with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he is the guy who was just monumental uh, – for a bunch of those uh, great defenses with the uh, Titans in the mid 2000s and the Bills and always been a guy who's been great for the uh, <clears throat> the defensive line and man he has a unit that's working on all cylinders right now. I don't want to break down the Eagles too much Bronco fans kind of saw what happened there but Brandon Graham absolutely took Garrett Bowles's lunch money uh either the worst or second worst performance Garrett Bowles has had this year and uh Leary, I mean he gave up what was it six or seven hurries when he's only given up one the previous eight, seven, eight games combined because Fletcher Cox is an absolute man-child. So luckily for the Broncos, the Patriots' defensive line is not nearly not nearly as scary as what the Eagles have. <laughs> uh, they do not have monsters on the defensive line that the, the Eagles have, and they're not as deep either. They just picked up uh, Ricky Jean Francois today. I don't know if you saw that, but they also I have did some, not, yeah. Yeah, they picked up Ricky Jean Francois guy for the uh, – I think he was a uh, – LSU Tiger for years, played for the, uh, the Colts. Never been a great player, but, you know, decent bench piece. Uh, Lawrence Guy, been a solid player for them. Uh, Dietrich Weiss, former fourth-round pick. Uh, really like Malcolm Brown. He was a first-round pick, I believe, in the same draft that Shane Ray was taken in. Been, was uh, much um, cheered around the league. Like, oh, of course the Patriots take this top 15 player who falls to the last pick or second-to-last pick in the draft. But he's been solid for them. And they also have a guy named Trey Flowers, who's uh, been playing very well for them as well. The two Arkansas guys there in uh, Trey Flowers and Dietrich Wise, kind of interesting. But <clears throat> overall, this Patriots defensive line, they don't really have great names on paper, like individual talent-wise, but they're good because that Bill Belichick system is good. Now, they're having a solid year. They struggled to start the year, but overall, especially with that secondary that once Gilmore was benched, uh, has been playing better. They do enough to get it done, especially when you have an offense being led by Tom Brady with the weapons that he has this season. Yeah, they're definitely playing more of a, and they've done this before with with Belichick, but Ben don't break. They are dead last in yards given up per game, but they only give up like 22 points per game. (laughs) So they'll give up a lot of field goals. They'll get some turnovers. They'll let you drive the field a little bit. So there's going to be some hope as the Broncos move the ball and and get into some scoring position. But that's where the Patriots crank, uh, crank it up. They get their guys into the right position, and and that's where Belichick really steps in. That's where he's always been great. Is that red zone defense? He he's just always been huge. And but for me, this is going to be the matchup for the Broncos. If they stand any kind of chance of winning this game, this Broncos offensive line. It's not that they just have to beat the Patriots defensive line. They have to dominate. Right now, they are giving up five point one yards per carry. 
I would say this is where the the Broncos running backs, they got to average that. They maybe even more than that. They got to have a couple really big runs. I think it was two weeks ago for the Patriots before their bye week that uh, the San Diego Chargers, LA Chargers, there we go. Oh my goodness. I thought I was past that by now, (laughs) but LA Chargers and, and their running back, I think had an 87 yard touchdown run and it, it was, it was just beautiful. They were pushing the, the Patriot defensive line backwards all the time and which San Diego or gosh, Oh my goodness. Okay. LA, <laughs> LA chargers. I got it there. They don't have a great offensive line. They've been dominated at, at, in the trenches this year. And yet they were able to push these guys back and, and the Patriots, they do have size, which is crazy that they get pushed back so much. Allen branch at 350 pounds, Malcolm Brown, 320 pounds, Lawrence guy, 305 pounds. So they, they've got some size on that defensive line, but they they get pushed all over the place. But again, like I said, when the when it matters most, they seem to show up the most. And if the name of the game is score, if you can't outscore your opponent, you don't win. Thank you, John Madden. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's just kind of kind of how it is. And so the Broncos are gonna have to figure out how to how to especially run in the red zone and take some pressure off of of Brock Osweiler and and that passing offense. And, and so this is this is a get right game. This can be that in the sense of of offensive line. You went out and had one of your worst games, if not your worst game of the year. Now go out there and have your best your best game of the year, and you have a real real shot. This is honestly probably the worst defensive line the Broncos will play all year, in my opinion. Would you agree with that, or is there another one that you can think of? No, I'd agree with that. And you make a good point about them having some serious size with Allen Branch and Malcolm Brown, but they still they don't always play with the best leverage, especially Branch. He's kind of an older guy. I mean, he's 6'6", 350. So it's not always the strongest guy or the biggest guy that wins at the point of attack. It's normally the lowest guy. And that's something that being 6'6", 350, Alan Branch doesn't really get. He can get pushed out. He's a run stuffer technically, uh, but still he's not He's not a typical like plug type of uh, defensive tackle that you see in there these days. Not the squat types. But yeah, the Broncos are going to have – a good chance to run the ball pretty well. And this is honestly the offensive line should be happy. They've had just a gauntlet of front sevens that have been just incredible uh, the last month, month and a half. And finally we're getting a matchup where they actually look like they can win some of these matchups. I actually, a lot of people have been piling on Watson and he has struggled in pass blocking, but I thought he actually played pretty decent game last week. Uh, How many pressures sacks did he give up? I think he only might've given up one pressure and granted he did not open up the holes we were uh, used to seeing in the run game, but neither did Leary, neither did the entire offensive line. I mean, what do we have? 50 rush yards. It was ugly. Yeah. Not good. So and, that's, and that's uh, just it is Watson really. And, and we talked about this at the beginning of the year. Watson doesn't have a whole lot of experience, even though he's been in the league for, for four years. I think this is his fifth year. Now he doesn't have a whole lot of experience because of injuries. And on top of that, he didn't grow up in America. He didn't really grow up with American football. And so he's kind of always learned on the go a little bit. And we kind of thought, hey, maybe this guy, things will start to click as the season goes on. As he gets a little more experience, if he can stay healthy, things can really, really work out well for the Broncos. And I think we're starting to see some of that. So as much as I know everybody's going, we got to get a new right tackle. We got to get a new right tackle. Come up this, you know, in the draft or free agency, which people, free agency, unless some people get cut, there's not a great answer coming in free agency. So it'd have to be the draft. But maybe Watson, he, he's got himself a, a seven game or, yeah, seven games here. Is that right? Eight. Or eight games. Eight games. Eight games. Yep. Sorry. I forgot about the bye week. 
yep. eight games to really prove himself that maybe he should be able to stay here. And he did great against – I thought he did the best of all the offensive linemen for sure. Uh, much better than than Bulls on the other side. <laughs> that was that was sad to see with Bulls. And yeah, but again, not surprised. Brandon Graham is probably one of the most underrated defensive ends in football right now. Right, exactly what we said on the show. We we said that that defensive line one of the best in the NFL, and there's some guys in there that just should have their names a lot more known than they do. So yeah, again, this is a great get right game. They got an opportunity to to actually dominate this group. And show up in the run game, show up in the pass game. I think they only have, was it 16 sacks total as a unit? Yeah, not great. Not yeah, great that's, at all. That's, that's bottom 10 in the NFL. So uh, this this should be a game that this unit really takes over. And if they can't, well, then <laughs> I'm sorry. They, they, it's not good. They, they have to win. And not only win, but dominate for the Broncos to stand a chance. And part of that is if they can win in the trenches, if they can win with the run game, it keeps that crazy offense that the, the Patriots have. I watched a couple of their games today. Oh, it is, it is fun to watch. It really is. I mean, I, as much as I hate the Patriots, they are a fun offense to watch. And one of the players that they use so well, and this is matchup number two is Gronk. Oh my goodness. This guy, even though he's lost a little bit of a step, this guy is still one of the biggest and best weapons in the NFL. And so matchup number two, Gronk versus our linebackers and safeties. And we talked about it last week. Broncos are are going through a, a three-game stretch here against some of the best tight ends. And, and they even kind of break this last week with Ertz out. This is what drives me crazy. I mean, the, the, they had backup tight ends that they still gave up five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. <sighs> I, I just, I thought we had better talent there, I guess. And, and really this comes down to the whole defense just kind of gave up in that game. They really did. Tlaib, one of the most disappointing games. I've seen him get beat before, but I've never seen him give up on a play before. At least not like what I saw a couple times in that game. But but beyond him, I mean, just the linebacker safeties, terrible communication, guys not knowing where they're supposed to be, some wide open targets. It just, for being what most people thought was the top three defense in the NFL, to go out and get embarrassed like that, that just can't happen. And especially against tight ends, backup tight ends like that. And this week you got Gronk. I mean, the, the, maybe I wouldn't say he's the best tight end in the NFL anymore. No, I got to get, yeah, I got to give that to Kelsey, but still this year, 34 catches on 58 targets, 509 yards and five touchdowns. He has eight catches of 20 plus yards, man. <laughs> he's still, he's still amazing. Honestly, like Gronk, I, he's not the best tight end ever. I'd give that probably to Antonio Gates, due to longevity, Tony Gonzalez is up there as well. Gronk's not going to have as long of a career. I mean, just with the injuries and everything, I just don't see him lasting as long. But the peak that Gronk had at tight end is unprecedented. Never seen anything close to that. His peak years were just unbelievable. And he's still a top three tight end of football. And the thing is, I think he could be putting up numbers like he used to, but he doesn't have to. And why would they use him in that way when he's, you know, has durability concerns? They got wide receivers now. Before, they used to only have, you know, that slot receiver and whether it be Welker and Edel or Edelman and then the, the tight ends, uh, Bennett, Gronk, uh, who do they got this year? They traded for uh, Dwayne Allen, but he's still just a freak. I mean, how can you guard him at his size to move like that down the seam? Six foot six, six foot seven, 270 pounds. And then you have what, a six foot one to six foot three linebacker or safeties. Tom Brady just literally has to toss it up there. He doesn't even need to really get separation. And he has great uh, the ability to high point the football 
And athleticism to be a seam threat. I mean, it's just, what do you do? What do you do? Especially when you have a guy like Tom Brady who can isolate that matchup, see when it's the perfect time to go. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. To it and just pick on you. So that, I mean, Philip Rivers to Antonio Gates probably statistically is the best uh, quarterback to tight end ever, probably cumulatively. But like as far as dominance goes, Brady and Gronk, there's, there's nothing like it. There literally is nothing like it. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. And... So we find ourselves here three weeks in a row, pretty much having this be one of the key matchups of got to stop this guy. You got to, got to keep him out of the end zone. Got to keep him from being able to pick up those, those big third downs that you think, Oh my goodness, it's third and 10. All right, we're going to get him off the field and boom, here comes Gronk across the middle and somehow he's open. That, that's what's crazy is how often he's actually like wide open yeah. for as big of a weapon as he is, as big of a guy as he is, you just wouldn't think this guy's going to be wide open on a play and and he is and and he doesn't have to be wide open to catch a pass i mean like you said he's he's got incredible body control he has some of the best hands i mean his hand size i i, I didn't even look it up I, I need to look it up to see how big his hands are but the ball looks miniature compared to anybody else yeah i don't know they got to stop him they got to figure out some way and the broncos have actually done decently against gronk when their starting safeties in the past have been in tj ward and and uh, Darian Stewart. Stewart has actually done pretty well against him just in, I don't know, Stewart always does well of taking out his legs for, for a big tackle, making Gronk have to think a little bit that a big hit's getting ready to come at him. But we just don't have that this year. We don't put any fear in these guys that, that something's going to happen to them. And yeah. which was a, a little bit disappointing in uh, which game was it that, uh, that Simmons got his big hit and got flagged for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say it was the Chargers, but I don't remember. I remember that when that happened, though. Yeah, he did the flag, and he actually brought the wood, and I thought it was a clean hit. I did, too. Left of the shoulder. Too. Yeah, and so, yeah, it seems like they just can't catch a break that when they do have a big hit, they get penalized. So just tough to tough to be a safety in the NFL right now, but they still got to figure out a way to, to contain Gronk in this one because – I can promise you they've been watching the tape and seeing this tight end matchup. And I'm sure Gronk's in here going, man, I'm about to have a two, three touchdown game right now. So I really hope that doesn't happen. I hate seeing him spike it. Yeah. And you're going to be there to see it live in all its glory. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) probably No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I haven't been to a game in so long, so I'm excited to, to get there. But hopefully they can surprise me and, and pull off the upset of the, of the year. It would be the upset of the year. That's how poor they've been playing. It's really disheartening. Yeah. I looked up the hand size for you. It's 10 and three quarters inches long, which was the 95th, 95th percentile for all tight ends. It's ne- nearly the size from thumb to pinky of an entire football. Jeez. Well, there you go. That's why it looks so tiny in his hands. That's crazy. That's, that is incredible. No wonder the porn stars love him so much. Anyway, anyway, um, <laughs> had to get a dig in there. One thing also that Gronk does uh, does not get enough credit for because it's not sexy, 
but he really is just a phenomenal blocker as well. He's an extension of the offensive line. That's honestly, when I hear a tight end, you know, scattering report or a compliment, you know, you can always talk about how good of a route runners they are, how they use their hands, red zone weapon. But when I hear that they're an extension of the offensive line, I got to check it out because having that guy that's a sixth offensive line there just really adds such a special dynamic to that unit because it, it not only helps you with the run game, it can help you with a tackle that can struggle or against a really good uh, edge rusher, but it also just makes you less predictable. Is it going to be a run play? Is it going to be a pass? I mean, if you're put, bringing in a tight end who's obviously a blocker or a tight end who's obviously a receiver, it kind of it, it gives your hand away. You know, you kind of know where it's coming. But when you have a guy like Gronk who can do both at a very high level, you, you have to stick it. What do you do? You go to nickel formation, they're going to run on you. You go to, you go to base, they're going to pass on you. So he's, he's a special player. I really hate the Patriots. I can't stress, stress that enough. I, I hate the gosh darn Patriots. But Gronkowski is probably one of the most fun, unique players, offensive weapons-wise, that I've seen in the last decade. And fortunately and unfortunately, just because you know, I like good players in the NFL, just to have good players in the NFL is good for the league. But I think he's on, he's on the downswing now. But this is a game where he might uh, show some people that he's still got Gronk in him, unfortunately. Hopefully Todd Davis is back this week. Um, we had some comments from Chris Harris Jr. that he thought were taken out of context about how the Broncos are missing uh, T.J. Ward, that they shouldn't have cut him. Paraphrasing, that was the, the gist from draft talk. Not NFL draft talk, NFL football talk. Chris Harris Jr. didn't say he said that so much or that wasn't really his intention, but still. They're missing a guy like T.J. Ward in regards to playing tight ends. Parks has been, I'd say, more miss than hit. And Simmons is more of a free safety. They just don't have that physical presence and a strong safety right now. They're not playing Jamal Carter. I don't know why Jamal Carter looked great in preseason. I'd like to see him get a little bit more play, especially with this season slipping away, kind of evaluate some of those younger guys. But Gronk's in line for a big game, and if the Broncos want to have a chance to keep up with the Patriots, they got to figure out a way to slow them down. And that could make or break the game. I'm not going to do that for my key matchup. I feel like I've hit on tight ends and the linebackers uh, quite a few times just because that seems like it's a key matchup every week. But, yeah, it's, it's a big one. And if they can slow down Gronk, they could win. Good luck. I like it. Taken. Good movie. Now, we still have a lot to get to, but first we want to once again say thank you to our sponsor, MyBookie.net. MyBookie is all about the fun and excitement of making accurate predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. Site members can make picks against real spreads, lines, and totals for major sports leagues and associations, as well as college sports and compete for great prizes courtesy of MyBookie. MyBookie.net is the greatest, most professional, and most importantly, totally free and 100% recreational sports prediction service you can find on the web. Instead of the typical head-to-head challenges and handicapping contests, MyBookie.net goes beyond the basics and offers members a true betting platform that will make users feel like they were in a real betting site. Unlike most betting services, MyBookie.net is a completely free site that allows you to make daily predictions and bet and win real prizes at no cost. MyBookie is not a gambling or a play-for-money site. It's a free sports wagering website built for millions of sports fans to provide them with a platform to participate in picking games, predicting scores, and compete for free prizes without risking any of your hard-earned cash. Just like the Office Pick'em Contest and Fantasy Football, MyBookie brings a deeper enjoyment and excitement to watching our favorite teams by increasing the stakes. It is fun, and for no cost, you get to make predictions and qualify for prizes. Again, the service is absolutely free for all users, and we want to say thank you to MyBookie for sponsoring the Huddle Up podcast. All right, well, this is a matchup that I feel like every single year when we play the Patriots, we know it's coming. It's going to be an issue, and gosh darn it, every time they exploit it. They probably do this using these guys offensively better than any team in the NFL. 
and that is using the Patriots running backs as receivers specifically and uh, how the Broncos linebackers are going to match up with them. Honestly, the way Marshall has been playing and Todd Davis being injured the last two weeks and safeties, I mean, it goes hand-in-hand hand with the tight end. But this has just been an Achilles heel in the Broncos. And when the no-fly zone is playing well, which they did not do so hot last week, but when they are playing well, um, this is probably – tight ends and running backs have, have been the only way that you can attack this Broncos defense. And the Patriots are the team that I think has probably had the most success of it. I mean, they've – Deion Jones, James White, uh, Rex Burkhead. Um, I mean, we'll go all the way back to Kevin Falk for Pete's sake. Patriots get those running backs in situations where they can be in the open space and just be playmakers. I was – I'm not really much of a prayer. I know you're a very religious person there, Carl. If the listeners don't know that, Carl's a pastor who works in the church. Um, but – I was praying that the Patriots didn't get Christian McCaffrey. And I was praying that they didn't get David Johnson when he was coming out. I was a big fan of him. Uh, went to University of Northern Iowa, so I feel like I had a little more insight than the, the average person. And Thank God they didn't. But still, they used those running backs in a, such a unique way that I think I'm surprised more teams don't use it. But then again, most teams don't have a Tom Brady. That, that's just it. I, I watched, like I said, I watched a couple of their games just today. And it seemed like almost every time a team blitzed, a lot of other teams in the NFL, this is what they do. They see a blitz coming. They keep the running back in to help. Patriots don't do that. They send their running back out, and Tom Brady sees blitz coming. He throws it right to the running back. He doesn't hesitate. He just, oh, there it is, dump off. That's at least six, seven yards, if not more. They can break it deep because they got some speed guys. They got some some guys that are just amazing in the open field. Deion Lewis, I remember before he had his big injury, he was unstoppable. I mean, he he just was so irritating to watch because you'd sit there and say, oh, two guys got him, and then here he comes out of nowhere. And, yeah, they got three guys right now, James White, Rex Burkhead, Deion Lewis, all of them receiving threats. They're not great running up the middle, but they are incredible receiving threats. And, and the Patriots, they love to send four or five guys out on routes almost every single time. They They don't like to keep guys in very often. They will every once in a while just to kind of keep a team honest, but but they love to get as many targets out there, and they think Tom Brady can find the open one in a hurry. And that's that's where teams that have a Tom Brady, which is one team, <laughs> can do that because he processes so quickly. This is what Manning could do too. He knows where he's going with the football before he even snaps it. And when you don't have any time to get there, you only need those five blockers just to kind of get in the way. And so, yeah, right now – James White, 43 receptions, which leads their team with for 365 yards, one receiving touchdown. Rex Burkhead has 12 receptions. Deion Lewis, 10 receptions. Right now is a total. I mean, this this is incredible. This is a, for some wide receivers, they wish they could have a receiving season like this. 65 receptions total, 551 yards receiving, and two touchdowns just from the running back group. So yeah, no team uses their running backs like the Patriots. They'll use them every once in a while, but it's just part of their offense. This is this is the especially the Edelman's out. I think this has become even more. This is their replacement for Edelman. It, it's incredible. So our linebackers, I know that they're watching that tape again. Like you said, tight ends, running backs. That is the weakness of this defense. That is the strength of the Patriots' offense. Not a good matchup. Yeah, it's uh, Broncos' defense had done pretty well. Uh, in the recent past against the Patriots, you know, Mile High Magic, everything like that, the no-fly zone, Orange Crush, everything goes into it. You know, Peyton Manning finally uh, – th- doesn't Peyton Manning have a winning record against Tom Brady in the playoffs too? 
I know he's two and one in AFC championships. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Ha ha. Suck it, Tom Brady. AFC championships. <laughs> I'll take whatever I can get. But yeah, the just it's such a unique offense. And because of they because they have Tom Brady, it's not only that they send the running backs out, but it's how quick Peyton Man or not Peyton, wow. <laughs> I wish we were going against Peyton. I miss that guy. Um, but it's because Tom Brady um, is able to process um, the plays. It's the same thing for Peyton Manning back in the day, but it's because he's able to process pre-snap and when the pressure's coming that he doesn't need that extra guy. He's getting the ball out there two seconds, one and a half seconds, especially if you're sending guys. Good luck. If you're sending blitzes against Tom Brady, good luck because he forget he doesn't need the extra time. He knows it's coming. So best way to beat Tom Brady is to only rush four, um, play tight man coverage, and hope that he makes mistakes. And unfortunately for the Broncos, their pass rush is just not the same this year. Um, we'll probably get we'll get into that a little bit more coming up here, but yeah, the running backs are a pest. And also, I got to say, for the sake of my fantasy team, hopefully Mike Gillisley is the running back who gets the uh, the big load today uh, or this week. He is a uh, they gave up a, a draft pick for him. He was a restric- restricted free agent from the Buffalo Bills, and he's been pretty good for them uh, between the tackles, especially as a runner. Uh, more of that goal line Legarrette Blunt role that they had last year, a couple years. Um, but he's put the ball on the ground a fair amount of times. So that's something to watch as well. I know we're mainly focusing on the, uh, the running game here, but you know these guys have put the ball on the turf a few times, specifically Gillisley, and that's something that can really spark an offense or even a defense. Get a few turnovers, and things can start to roll your way. Uh, something definitely to watch for there. But moving on, like I was hinting on there, it's the Broncos pass rush versus the Patriots tackles. I mean, the entire Patriots offensive line, really. But yeah, it's Broncos pass rush has... I mean, I'm starting to see them on the back of a milk carton, you know, every week. Like, oh, have you seen this man? Where is Shane Ray? Where is uh, Shaq Barrett? I mean, Shaq Barrett started off the year incredibly hot, wasn't really finishing, but was getting a lot of pressures, doing great against the run. And he hasn't been up to that same level uh, since the bye week, I would say. During this Broncos losing streak, he hasn't been up to that level. And Shane Ray has come in, and I've seen he's been a little bit uh, snippy on Twitter saying that, you know, don't comment if you don't know my assignments, but I can see Shane Ray crashing in or getting blown off the line or missing tackles. And I don't need to know your assignment that well to know that you messed up. Sorry, Shane, if you're listening. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just the Patriots tackles are a little bit older. They have left tackle, who's actually the number one rated free agent next year, but he might retire. He's kind of been on a downward trend. Uh, Nate Soldier out of Colorado for you uh, CU Buffs fans out there. Been a pretty good pick uh, for them. Um, Really struggled the year that the Broncos won the Super Bowl, but last year, and uh, last year he was phenomenal against Von Miller. Um, granted, Tom Brady kind of shifting to the left over and over again helps that, but Cannon's been good, and they also have some good young players as well. I really like uh, Shaquille Mason, fourth round pick a couple years ago out of Georgia Tech, and Joe Thune, who was a all-purpose lineman for the North Carolina Wolfpack, who uh, drafted two years ago as well. And he's playing left guard, and Mason's playing right guard for them. They're good uh, run-blocking, very athletic guards. Guys that could probably play a multitude of positions. Center, have smarts, have body control, good pass blocking. And uh, David Andrews as well, good center for them. So the Broncos, I mean, Tom Brady gets the ball out quick, but if you get a chance to hit him, you got to hit him. And this offensive line, you know, with uh, the offensive coach, or the offensive line coach, Scar, I'm not going to try to pronounce his uh, entire name, but um, the famed offensive line coach of the Patriots, who they thought they were missing in the year, the Broncos whooped up on them a couple times, turned this unit around, and they've been playing better. But Broncos, Broncos pass rush has been pretty much a letdown all year outside of Von Miller, at least in my opinion. I agree. 
other than yeah, like those couple games for Shaq Barrett that you're kind of going, man, this guy, he's about to get himself paid. Now I'm kind of going, huh? maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Maybe he's worth bringing back as that backup kind of money, but we'll, yeah, that, that's a, a little ways down the road. I, I will say this because of the injury to Edelman, Tom Brady is taking a lot more hits this year than he has in years past. His sack percentage on dropbacks has gone up about 2% this year from 4.55% to 6.36%. And I think a big part of that is, is the, the wide receivers they have are those kind of deep, deep speed guys. You got Cooks, Hogan, and Dorsett. And, and they're not really those, those quick-footed guys. Cooks can be, but I, he's just not one that likes to go over the middle a whole lot. He's more of that, I'd love to go down the sideline, catch a 50-yard touchdown kind of guy. I still hate that play against Houston. They should have lost that game. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Anyway, the, the, I, those are kind of the plays that they're having to try to hit a lot more. And I think that's why the running backs are getting very involved in in the passing game. Because, again, without Edelman, they just don't have that quick hitter for those those third down and shorts or, or you know, just to keep a, a defense honest on, on guarding those middle grounds. And so Tom Brady is having to hold on to it a little bit longer. He has one of his deepest air yards per attempt of his career this year, which is pretty crazy considering how old he is. You'd think he'd be wanting to get rid of it a little bit quicker. But so there's there's an opportunity there. But we said that last week too, with them having with the Eagles having their backup left tackle in, and it just didn't happen. So I don't know. Again, this is a unit where you got to go win your battle. You have an opportunity. You have the advantage. You should have the advantage. Soldier, he's he's had those injuries and cancer scare and everything else. He's just not the player he was. So they should go win that battle. And Cannon, as much as he had a great year last year, he struggled some this year. And and so Von Miller, he has a, a great opportunity to go win a battle. But like you said, most teams, they know that. They know Von Miller is the one guy that can beat him. So what do we do? We double team him or we roll the quarterback a little bit to the left just to buy that little bit of extra time. And it just, he hasn't been able to get home as much as you would think, or as much as you would hope, because teams just are doing everything possible to say anybody else beat us, but Von Miller. And even then Von Miller is still winning a lot of battles. He still had a decent game against Lane Johnson, especially in the run game. He held up really well in the run game, but well, okay. I say he held up the, to, to make a run game go or a run defense go, one guy can't, can't be your whole run defense. The other 10 just were terrible. Uh, yeah. Anyway, still trying to move on from last week. It, it's hard to to not keep picturing what happened. The, the, the nightmares haunt me. What was more what was more painful? The shutout at Sandy or at Los Angeles. See, I'm doing it too now. <laughs> or the game against Philly. I think the game against Philly. Just in, I didn't, I didn't predict us to beat LA. I didn't think we were going to win that one. I, I just didn't have a good feeling about it. Simeon was really struggling then. I, I just, I thought that one was going to be a loss. Plus, it's a divisional game. It just, I guess that makes it maybe hurt a little bit more because it's divisional. But Philly, I really thought we had some great matchups. I thought we had a great opportunity to to take advantage of some things and and win that game. And to go out and get embarrassed like that, it, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep, in store or online at mattressfirm.com today. Just, uh, I don't know. I guess that one just kind of shocked me a little bit, especially with the defense. Like, I guess that's part of what the San Diego game is. Okay, our offense was terrible. Well, they've been terrible most of the year anyway. But against Philly, it was that our, our defense was terrible. Our offense wasn't great, but I would say our defense played worse than our offense did. I mean, didn't we have two or three first-half scoring drives? Something like that. At least they were moving the ball, getting some field goals out of things. Yeah, and I think Brock Osweiler was it was the most pressure the Broncos' offensive line had given up all season in a single game. But I felt like Brock's pocket movement was a little bit better than what we saw from Trevor. Either way, I mean, it's you're trying to pick between I don't two piles of garbage. I mean, can't we just agree that they're both not good? <laughs> like, it's, I don't understand. Like, people like... We're not allowed to talk so much about some of the insider sources here, but let's just say Simeon was ready to not be starting anymore mentally um, from his own camp. Uh, so they brought in Brock because coaches stood up with Simeon for a while, but they were on the verge of losing the locker room. And looks like it's might have been too late. Might have been they pulled it too late. And I know everyone's ready to fire Vance Joseph. I might have a little bit of a, a soapbox coming later in that regard. But uh, that this this game against the Eagles, just I, I never thought I'd see the defense choke and give up like that you know they're still individually talent wise a great defense but 51 points to Carson Wentz I mean the Broncos marched down the field and got three points on the first drive all the defense has to do there is not give up a touchdown I mean three and out would be great but just don't give up a touchdown Eagles marched right down the field and get a touchdown easy so easy the Broncos I think they go out there and get a punt um three and out unfortunate okay okay defense we're still in this game you know only down by four Another touchdown drive, down 14 to nothing halfway through the first quarter. The game's over, probably at that point. I mean, the way the offense is playing and how shell-shocked they are. I've never, I'd say the overall the team performance was more disappointing, but being shut out at the Chargers was just, it's more frustrating for me because the defense had been playing well, if that makes sense. So just to see the offense struggle so much and defense just continues to get wasted. But right. I can't really say that anymore because yeah. they – they sucked against the Eagles. There's no other way around it. Carson Wentz playing great, great offensive line. They have weapons for him. Nelson Aguilar, former first-round pick, burnt Tlaib. Both Clement and J.J. ran pretty well. Uh, Jeffrey had two touchdowns. I mean, it just, ugh, man, it's frustrating. But it's, I never thought I'd see the defense struggle like that. And, hey, what do you know? We got the number one, number two scoring offense in the NFL coming to town this week with Tom Brady, and he's got, Great weapons and Brandon Cooks and Hogan and 
towards that. You didn't touch on uh, Amendola as well. <sighs> and my least favorite Patriot, James Devlin. No, I'm just kidding. But I really hate James Devlin. Gosh darn it. What an annoying freaking fullback. I, it's hard to hate a fullback, but I really don't like James Devlin. I feel like he always scores the touchdown against us and has the most annoying spike. Like, dude, why is your shoulder pad so high? You, you, you don't need him. You, you got to carry that around for 10 plays during a game. Just stop it. But, yeah, just yeah, just annoying. No, and then I got Steven Gotzkowski, too. It's just get out of here, Patriots. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's just – I guess we'll find out the heart of the team this this week, in my opinion, because yeah. being in front of the home crowd, are you going to give up in front of the home crowd? They better not. In a night game. <laughs> yeah, in a night game. And this is national TV. This isn't just regional football. This is national. Everybody watches this game. And so, yeah, they, they better have a little bit of heart for this one. I I think, again, that's why the Eagles game was so disappointing to me because it was the first game I really felt like I've seen the defense give up in a long, long time to see playmakers that should not be getting beat. I mean, Jeffrey is a... Uh, a good receiver, but he's not great. They've played better receivers and shut him down. And and just see Tlaib, like getting beat deep and then just kind of jogging like, oh, I'm not going to go make this tackle. I'll just let him score. I'm sorry. That just – that's embarrassing. And it's it's embarrassing to us as fans because uh, we, you and I, we, we love football <laughs> uh, to, an obsessive, to an obsessive point. And, Beyond that. Yeah, yeah, it really is. But but just yeah, especially for the Broncos. We we live this stuff, we we eat and breathe this stuff. And so yeah, when I see my own team quitting, it's it's embarrassing. I'm sure they, they've heard enough of it on, on Twitter and Facebook and everything else this week from fans. It's just so disrespectful to me to Pat Bolin. Just I mean what he's done for this franchise and you better go out there if you're wearing orange and navy and white or whatever for this team, this franchise, you know, haven't had back-to-back losing seasons since the 60s. One of the best teams ever. I mean, you want Pat Bowen to get in the Hall of Fame? You know one way that's going to happen? Not getting blown out. Not get, going out there and failing to execute. Or, you know, as Franz Joseph said this week, freelancing. I don't, I don't know about that. You know, I don't have the assignments in front of me. All I could see was guys wide open and guys not making plays. And it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. And like Chad and Will talked about on the reactionary podcast this week, it's Broncos lose this game. I mean, season season's over at three and six, right? Season's over at three and six. There's no way they're rattling off. What would it be? Seven wins in a row to close the season? Nah, I don't. I don't see that. That's that's crazy talk. More yeah. likely we're finishing with a top ten pick. You don't believe in my boy Paxton? Um. <laughs> well, do you believe in your boy Paxton? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Anything can happen, I guess. You know, yeah. Yeah. Magic no, great. It's it's. I, I, it's wishful thinking. Uh, I think he can play better than what we've seen from the other two quarterbacks, but that's really not saying a whole lot right now. And that kind of brings us to our X factor section of, of this podcast. And, and last week I did pick, pick Brock Osweiler to be my X factor. You know, it just the new quarterback coming in, they're going to make him have to go out there and, and beat him. And he didn't do it. I thought he had a better game than than Simeon, of course, did against the Chiefs. But again, that's not saying a whole lot. Like you said earlier, it's two piles of garbage. Well, this one has just a little less garbage than the other one. It's still garbage. And he made some terrible throws. Should have had about two or three more interceptions on his total. That The Eagles just dropped some pretty easy ones and made some pretty terrible decisions. 
he was making quick decisions, but that doesn't mean he was making good decisions. But yeah, I just, I, I was hoping, I was hoping to see a little bit more. I, I didn't have high expectations for Osweiler. I think that's, that's what a lot of people kind of miss misunderstood with this whole quarterback change of, of a lot of people going, well, it's just exchanging one bad quarterback for another bad quarterback. Well, it's you're losing the locker room with the other quarterback. He's lost all confidence in his game. He's doesn't mean it's going to work out. Doesn't mean it's going to be great. There's no great answers walking through the door for the Broncos. I know every fan out there wants to see the Broncos make the playoffs. We do too. We would love to see the Broncos make the playoffs, but there's just there's not a good answer coming through the door anytime soon. And it's just the situation we find ourselves in. And I, I hate to say that, I really, really do. But you couldn't leave Simeon in there. Even Simeon knew you couldn't leave Simeon in there. And so Osweiler, he was just kind of a change to for the sake of change. And he kind of proved exactly kind of what I thought of him and what he was going to be out there. So uh, he, he did fine for considering how much pressure he was under. He had to make some bad decisions just because he had to kind of heave it up there, plus playing from behind so quickly. He had to try to play catch up. And anytime you're playing to catch up, you have a defensive line that knows you're going to throw. You have, I don't know, it just it's not a good situation for a quarterback. And so Osweiler, I mean, I tip my hat to you for trying, but that's about all I can say about it. Yeah, and he did go up against what's arguably the best team in football right now and one of the best defensive lines. So, I mean, he was being thrown to the Lions. He didn't have really much of a chance, and they ate him up. What can you even say? Uh, my X factor last week was Shane Ray because we needed to get to Carson Wentz. And I thought that Vitae, the backup tackle that was taken over for Jason Peters, could be had. And boy, was I wrong. Shane Ray did not make much of an impact. In fact, I think he was almost a negative impact, especially in the run game. They ran at him multiple times, and they got by him multiple times. He just he's, he struggled against that run game, setting the edge. And one of, I think one of the worst games I've seen from him for a couple last two seasons was this week because he, not only was he not getting up to quarterback, but he was getting blown off the line of scrimmage in the run game. So I guess I was right to say that was the X factor, but he needed to step up and he didn't. Granted, you know, missing all that time uh, with that injury that he had, you know, just coming back two weeks ago against the Chiefs, he's going to be a little bit slow, but I did not expect him to lose his legs as well, so to speak. And he's been struggling. And he, I, I, like I said, he's been snapping on social media as well. So Shane Ray, get your head in the game, boy. You got, we need you. We need you. You're a first round pick and we haven't been getting pass rush and got a tougher matchup this week, but you got to get after Tom Brady. So what can you say? I definitely lost that one. Another ho-hum Ho-hum week. Who do you have this week, Carl? I picked CJ Anderson. Mm-hmm. Just as I said earlier with the offensive line against their defensive line, of uh, if the Broncos stand a chance of winning this game, CJ Anderson has to go have his best game of the year. And and I, I don't mean just go out there and have a great game. I mean, go out there and dominate. Control the clock. Just keep – we're a mile high. I mean, that, that's a huge advantage. That's one of the best advantages in football. And so if the Broncos can go out there and have that dominating run game that runs down their defense, maybe get them so worn down in the fourth quarter that you get to go out there and score a couple times to, to really keep this game close. Uh, you just can't give up on the run game for sure. And I don't know. I, I just think CJ Anderson has to go out there and just dominate. Yeah. If we're going to have a chance, the run game's got to carry it. That's very true. And I'm expecting Bill Belichick's going to take that away, but maybe we'll get some more, Brock magic like the last time the Broncos played in mile high against Patriots on Sunday night football. I mean, one can hope, right? Yeah, (laughs) that was beautiful. 
But yeah, that was, who, who'd you pick? Yeah. I have a keep to leave. Uh, Patriots have some decent uh, flanker options at wide receiver. You know, we talked about them a little bit. Brandon Cooks, Hogan, um, Philip Dorsett. And with the way Tlaib play la- played last week, I'm really concerned that he could be checking out. I think he's potentially heard the rumors that this might be his last season in Denver. Um, and he's making a biz- business decision, maybe, to not continue. I mean, obviously, he's out there. He's still a football player. He's going to compete. But just that Aguilar one, man, that really left a bad taste in my mouth. So, Tlaib, we got some great wide receivers. Tom Brady coming to town. And if he tries to do too much or you know, doesn't follow the game plan, doesn't execute, this game can get out of hand quickly. So, Tlaib, well, let's, let's, instead of going that way, let's add another pick six to that record. We're, we're going to break that record here, hopefully in Denver. So, play better this week. And if Tlaib does well against Cooks, and those outside wide receivers that the Patriots have stacked up this season, Broncos could slow down the Patriots enough to keep the game close and give them a chance to win it in the end. All right, good pick, good pick. Did you want to do game plan mode this week? Yeah, let's just do the Patriots, though. Or like how, would you, how we'd attack the Patriots. How we'd, okay. So both of us be the Broncos? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You be the offense, I'll be the defense. Okay. All right, well, we have made it to our, our game plan mode, and, and this week we're, we're going to kind of change it up of – I'm going to take the Broncos offense and Nick is going to take the Broncos defense. And, and we're going to both talk about how we would attack this, this Patriots team. And I think I've already pretty much kind of hinted at how I would attack this, this Patriots defense of uh, run it and run it some more and uh, maybe run it some more. I, I don't know. It's it's, I know that they're going to stack the box. I really know that they are. So you can run play action off of that, but continue to run it because they, they really can. They can get beaten. They can get pushed back. Even when they're trying to stop the run, they have struggled. Uh, that San Diego game, gosh, every time, L.A. game, <laughs> that, that L.A. game was just a, a big one for me when I was watching it, of just watching L.A.'s offensive line dominate the trenches. It was it was crazy. They, they shouldn't have gone away from the run game as much as they did. And it really set up some play-action op- opportunities and, and really kept – the pass rushers from being able to fully rush after the quarterback. That's another part of the run game that just plays off of that. And and one thing that we kind of saw in that Chiefs game, when the Broncos were running so well, play action worked great because they just couldn't crash down on the quarterback every time. So I want to run it down their throats and, and I want to get some speed rushes to the edge because they are vulnerable to the edge. They don't have the speed to get there anymore. Their linebackers are not not the most athletic guys out there. And some of their corners are not exactly the greatest tacklers either. It's something else that I kind of noticed. So get Jamal Charles to the edge. Get him a little more involved in this game. And and then Booker, maybe a few swing passes to him as well because he's such a great receiver and, and great in the open field. But this is a running backs game for me. And it keeps, keeps that Patriot offense off the, the field and helps you out on, on the Broncos defense a little bit there. But also, this is another game where, where DT and, and Sanders, they got to go win their matchups because they are going to get some one-on-one opportunities. And so go out there, make a big play. The Patriots have, what is it? I think it's, I think they are worse than the NFL. And I was going to talk about this here in a little bit. Right now, of wide open targets allowed of 57 through eight games. So DT and Sanders, they're going to have some opportunities where, the Patriots are going to get confused in their secondary. 
they have as bad as the communication has been for the Broncos, it's been worse for the Patriots in their secondary. So look for those opportunities and hopefully take advantage of them. That's a, that's what I would do. What would you do on the defense? I am man. <laughs> After last week's game against the Eagles, like I talked about, and going up against Brady, what 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 do you do? Something we didn't really talk about so much when talking about the the edge rushers versus the Patriots offensive line is the best way to beat Tom Brady is to get interior pressure. And right now the Broncos do not have a single player on their defensive line that I trust to get consistent interior pressure. Derek Wolf has beefed up and he's looking a little bit more hulking out there than normal. It's helped the run game. I think it's helped the run game tremendously, but he's not getting that interior pass rush. I think he's dropped tremendously his rate of uh, pressures per game at QB hurries, uh, hits, everything. Like he's not getting home like he used to. And then you have Adam Gatsis, who, again, second year player, you know, coming to his own, first year starter, playing better and better, but not really, not ready to take that step as a pass rusher yet. And then for as much as Sly Williams got poo pooed uh, by the media and team and everything like that, he was a better pass rusher than Pecco. That's, that's just the truth of it. And we don't have any guys that I trust, excuse me, to uh, consistently get in Brady's face. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to play tight coverage and hope that he doesn't beat me over the top. So that means Tlaib, Harris, Roby, locking down those guys, being physical on the outside, pushing them off the ball. I mean, Brandon Cook's super fast, not a big guy. You can out-physical him. Hogan can win up some side balls, but he's also not the, you know, the, the best athlete on the outside. And uh, then you got to hit Gronk. We talked about it with Travis Kelsey, but you, you got to hit Gronk. You don't want to be dirty, but every time he – Every time he touches the ball over the middle and you can lay a decent hit on him, especially, you know, low, because that's honestly the way you have to take him out. It's not, it's not playing dirty. It's just like, how do you take out a six foot seven, 270 pound dude? You got to go low. Um, so you got to hit him and hit him repeatedly and just be out physical. And also you can't let those running backs beat you consistently. When you do get to the quarterback, you got to have somebody on those running backs in the flats and the flare routes because otherwise they can, even though you're getting to Tom Brady and you're covering things down the field, running backs in open space can get you six, seven yards and sustain drives. And that is one of the most frustrating things about watching this Patriots team. Overall, though, I just, with the way the team played last week, it's really going to be a big game. I'm not sure if it's coaching, if it's Joe Woods is just such a huge step off from Wade Phillips, who I thought Joe Woods was playing, doing pretty well to start the year, calling games. But the last few games, it seems like not, not as good. Granted, they did pretty darn good against the Chiefs, but last week the dam broke. And let's see if we can have the uh, the Dutch boy put his thumb in the dam and stop that leak here for a little bit, at least on the defensive side. Um, but yeah, got to hit Tom Brady and got to get some turnovers. I mean, strip the ball. Be aggressive. If you're going to get a personal foul penalty, this is the game. Don't be afraid to be a bully. You got to go out there and show them that you mean business and you're here to be the aggressor because that's what the Patriots have to do. They normally dictate the flow when they're on offense and you can't let that be the case. So... It's really an uphill battle this week. I've, I can't believe how much of a 180 I've done on this defense. I just This, this Eagles game's got me all out of whack because I used to think this was the rock of the team. I mean, if, no matter how bad the offense is playing and the defense is still going to be frustrated, they're still going to do things. And last week it, it broke. So this is, this is another tough offense, and hopefully they can get home and hit Brady and create some turnovers and just give this team a chance. Just If you don't win the game, at least make it competitive to the fourth quarter. You know, this is a great team we're going against, but uh, last, if they come out – this week, like they did last week, I mean, they're going to get booed off the field. So, I will be one of those people. Yeah, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could boo them. I'm I'm pretty critical, but I don't know if I'm a 
I'm a booer. I'll de- I'd be booing Brady every time he touches the ball. But <laughs> um, I don't know if I could boo the Broncos. That said, I mean, this the fan base is pretty irritated and the locker room is pretty irritated. And if they put out a goose egg like they did last week, it's it could get ugly quick. And unfortunately, because it's the only game on, they can't switch from it. So you get the full 60 minutes, no matter how poorly it goes. You can't switch from it. Unless they want to go put on like the Days of Our Lives or something. I guess it's NBC. Whatever stupid NBC sitcom's on right now. NBC doesn't sponsor us, so I can say that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm at right now. And honestly, it's got to take... We need a splash play on defense to have to give this game a chance. We need Von Miller magic or the key to lead pick six or something. But something's got to give defensively a magic play. Otherwise... We could be looking at what five losses in a row, and that's not what you want to see. Longest longest losing streak in Elway's career is four games, and we don't want to extend that anymore. Oh, yeah, it, it looks pretty daunting for sure. Yeah. You watch, uh, like I said, I, what this Patriot team does, especially on offense, is what you wish the Broncos could even get close to. Just how well oiled of a machine it is. You think, oh, it's third and five, maybe we can get a stop here. Oh no, never mind. They just make it look so easy, and they have guys wide open. The, the play calling, as much as I know, Bronco fans hate Josh McDaniels. He is a good play caller. He does some, some good design, and he knows his players. Like I said, when Edelman goes out, all of a sudden, hey, and, and they were using running backs in the, in the receiving game, but, but it's so much more this year compared to years past. And they just they adapt. Next player up. I mean, they, they really live by that. They, they believe that their system is just better than you. And... So far, it's been proven to be true, but it is helped by having a, a Tom Brady at the helm. I mean, that that just makes all the difference. So I would love to to see Tom Brady do his whining and crying to the officials of they hit me. And that would be something beautiful to see. But we'll move on to our final section here of the what to watch for of what we're, we're really watching for in this game. And last week, I said the pass rush. We've already hit on that quite a bit of how little it showed up but it, and how much it needed to show up. And yours, I, I wanted to get more to yours because we've talked about mine already quite a bit. And you said Osweiler pocket movement. <clears throat> yes, Osweiler's pocket movement was something I thought would be key. And honestly, despite the outcome of the game, I think it was key. Osweiler was pressured the most any Broncos quarterback has been this season, yet he did not take nearly as many sacks as one would think because of that. And I would say a big reason for that is because of Osweiler's pocket movement. I mean, we saw it in the first drive where you saw, uh, I think it was Leary get beat by Fletcher Cox, and you saw Osweiler drift to the left, find a little space to step up, and then deliver a catchable ball. You know, it, it didn't turn out long way, uh, long-term the way we wanted it to in that game. But because of Osweiler's pocket movement and ability to just move around and buy time and find the soft spots, we did six or seven sacks where Simeon would have gotten popped and you know, taking a hit like he took against Melvin Ingram where he almost took his head off. So it didn't really <laughs> make a difference in the game in the end, unfortunately. Uh, but that said, I think that it's, it is a big improvement from what we saw in weeks prior. And it's something that we should continue to see, although I'm not as big on it this week because I don't really respect the Patriots' pass rush and defensive front like I respect the, uh, the Eagles. This week for me, it's QB pressures and QB hits. You got to get Tom Brady frazzled. You got to get him in his head. And the only way you do that is if you hit him multiple times. Both times the Broncos have beaten the Patriots solidly 
Um, what do they do? Mal- Derek Wolf, Malik Jackson, Demarcus Ware, Von Miller, those guys are in Tom Brady's face, even though he gets rid of the ball quickly, in his face almost immediately, and putting him on the turf, hitting him, making sure that he's not comfortable to step up in the pocket, and is thinking about, instead of reading the coverage so much, he's reading the pocket more so, and thinking about that. I mean, it just adds a whole other level of complexity, even for one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. That's something that he couldn't overcome. And the Broncos have stunk big booty the past few weeks at getting to the quarterback. Even though Von Miller is playing as good a football as he has his entire career, I would argue, uh, with how impactful he's been and how much he's getting doubled and chipped, the other guy's got to step up around him. And they are just not doing it right now as pass rushers. So for me, it's it's got to be uh, QB pressures, QB hits, QB hurries, and sacks on Tom Brady this week. Good choice. Mine would be the the big play chances. I said earlier that the Patriots have given up the most wide-open targets allowed downfield, 57 through eight games. And so there's going to be some big play opportunities. And the teams that have beat the Patriots this year are the teams that have been able to to take advantage of those. And I I keep thinking of that Chiefs game, uh, week one, where they just, they dominated that fourth quarter with some some wide-open guys and, and actually seeing Alex Smith throw down the field. So Brock Osweiler, he's going to have to hit a couple big plays down the field, really get that defense to, to back off and, and respect that, that they can hit the big play. I and mean, that's what every team has done this year. Every team pretty much after the first couple games has dared the Broncos to hit the deep ball. And Osweiler didn't really do it much last week. Simeon hasn't done it much all year. So I don't know. I, I just keep picturing, and this is, I keep trying to go back to happy memories and that 2015 Brock Osweiler game in the snow hits Manuel Sanders down the sideline, deep down the field, huge play. Love it. I think he hit DT for another big play as well. That's what we need to see. That's what has to happen in this game. And so that's what I'm going to be watching for to see if we can, can do that, especially maybe early in the game. If you hit one early, Oh my goodness, that opens up everything for the game. Yeah, how good would it be to actually have a lead? I know we had the three-point lead for like two seconds this last week, but uh, going to the first, going to the second quarter with a lead, that would be amazing. And the offense hasn't held up that end of the bargain, but nor is the defense. I mean, the defense has been playing solid this year until last week, but I feel like every single game, first, second drive, is the same story as last year, but the first, second drive, they're giving up points and they're playing from behind, and that's just not how this team is built to win. you got to be playing with the lead so the running game is more viable. And then that opens up the play-action pass. doesn't matter if it's Simeon playing quarterback, uh, Brock Osweiler, you or me. If you, We're not having a top 15 quarterback this year, just period. That's, that's what it is. So that means you have to play, get a lead, play with that run game, and then go off that run game with the play-action pass. So we've been saying it all season. You know, It's easier said than done. But that's just how the team is built. So we'll see. But I'm, I'm totally with you. It'd be nice to get some big plays, especially from DT and Emmanuel Sanders. I feel like those guys – are just starving for some big explosive plays. They need some highlights. The highlights from the past few seasons are kind of sad and pathetic. All right, well, before we get out of here, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddleup. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddleup. All right, now, before we get out of here, the last thing we'd like to touch on is our predictions. And I won't go too in-depth on this one, 
but I have the Patriots winning this game, unfortunately, 31-17. to 17. I think that this Broncos team looks pretty broken emotionally. I'm not sure what's going to go on with the coaching staff. I mean, I'm more of somebody who wants to give the coaching staff time to get in their guys, get in their scheme, get in their system. And if that means, you know, potentially getting rid of some of the veterans that think they know better than the coaching staff, just so be it. I mean, that's not good for a team. That's not sustainable for a team. But if this team looks lost right now, it looks like they don't, haven't bought into the system, haven't bought into the coaches, just haven't bought into each other. So I think this is going to be a, another loss and going to put the Broncos to three, three and six on the season and inch them one step closer to a top 10 pick and a real shakeup and honestly pretty intriguing offseason. As we were that last little segment there and, and you were talking, I was kind of thinking of, of my prediction and I, the first number that came to my head was 3117. Wow. <laughs> and then I was going, no, you know what? It's, it's at home. Give them a little bit more credit. So I'll go 27 to 17 and Patriots. Yes. Patriots winning. <laughs> yeah. I, I, after last week and just really well, the last few weeks, how can you really predict the Broncos? I, I know we predicted the Broncos win last week. And they, they got us all hyped up thinking this quarterback change could maybe make get a, get a little more spark back to the team and end up pretty much being the exact opposite almost. It seemed like, I don't know, offense had a little more spark, defense had zero spark. But this week, home crowd, I feel like they're going to have a little bit of pride on, on display. And you, you just can't do that in front of your home crowd. So 27-17, defense does okay. Offense, I just can't get it done. Can't get enough. I feel you. And it's it's frustrating. I know there's a lot of people wanting the Broncos to can Vance Joseph and everything. And, you know, maybe he is an incompetent guy, but I just, I personally can't can a guy halfway through his first season. I'm, as the listeners know, <laughs> a very loyal Iowa Hawkeye fan. And the Iowa Hawkeyes have had only two head coaches since like the 70s. We had Hayden Fry for freaking ever. That's even before I even became a Hawkeye fan. And my entire life, remembering being a Hawkeye fan, we've had Kirk Ferentz. There's been ups, there's been downs, but he's shown to be a good coach. I mean, he was a disciple under Bill Belichick along with Nick Saban. Don't want to claim that too much, but that's that's true. Uh, but I just feel like you got, you got to have give the coaches a chance to show themselves. And at this point next year, if the Broncos are still this bad, I mean, if, as far as I'm concerned, he's gone. That That's it. But you have to give him an offseason season. Uh, implementing a scheme, getting his guys in there. And if he still sucks next year, then that it is what it is. But I'm, I guess I'm a little bit more old fashioned and patient and I'm not quite ready to kick him out. What do you think? I'm, I'm exactly there with you. It's, this was supposed to be Elway's guy and the guy that he wanted even right before he found out that Kubiak would be available. And so to say eight games in, nope, he's done. He's, he's got to be out of here. I think that's just kind of an overreaction. We're all emotional at this time. We hate seeing our team lose. Bronco fans have been used to the Broncos being a dominant team for quite a while now. And so now to see them as maybe one of the five, six worst teams in the NFL, it's hard to see. But again, sometimes it does take a little bit of time. It takes getting the right people in the right place. And I think he's feeling the effects of last year when this team didn't make the playoffs and the defense was so frustrated with the offense and so then you come into this year, and the offense again is so terrible, and it's just kind of going, what do, we, what do we got to do on the? You know, our, our defense is so dominant, and here we have this offense wasting us. And 
So I think he's more just catching the brunt of, of everything else. I don't know if another coach would have made that much of a difference. I think Mike McCoy is a pretty good offensive coordinator. We've highlighted in a bunch of different articles on Mile High Huddle that there are open guys. There's open plays to, to be had. I will say some of the disciplinary things that are going on, penalties, guys not being in the right position, some of that I think does come on to coaching. But, yeah, you, you got to give a guy. He's got to have some growing pains. We've seen other coaches that struggled at first and then all of a sudden became great. Bill Belichick, even the great Bill Belichick, was fired from somewhere. Yes, it was the Browns, and they are a terrible organization that has no clue what they're doing. But still, most of these guys have had to go through some growing pains to, to figure it out in the NFL. And I want to give Vance Joseph his time because I think I think he does I think he has some skill sets to to be a good coach in the NFL. But again, it's going to take getting the right guys in, in the locker room and Maybe that does, like you said, mean some veterans that have been around for a while that think that they know better. Maybe it's time for them to go and get those wide-eyed young guys in there that, oh, I'm in the NFL. Coach says something. All right, I'll go do that. Hungry. And Yeah, hungry. exactly. Uh, the Broncos just haven't had the same hunger since they won the Super Bowl. That's just the fact of the matter. And when those guys were hungry, before they all went out and tried to go get paid and stuff like that, which, hey, that's that's great. I, I encourage players to go out and get paid while you can because this game, you never know when it's going to be taken away from you. But, yeah, I, I just I, I want to give them a little time and, and just see what they can do, especially now possibility of having a top 10 pick. I know some people are going to be going, well, you got to get the right coach in here before you get that top 10 pick and then fire this guy halfway through the year. But I don't know. I, I just I, I'm, I'm patient when it comes to the NFL because I've seen how long it takes to build a championship team. Bronco fans, have you forgot what happened before we won the Super Bowl? It was like a 20-year drought. And before that, it was, what, a 30-year drought? <laughs> so it, it takes time. And it's usually a pretty short window. Unfortunately, very true. Very true. All right. Well, that will wrap up our Week 10 preview of the Huddle Up podcast. Can the Broncos finally get back on the winning track and pull off a upset of the year at home, Sunday Night Football against the evil empire that is the new england patriots tune in next week no i'm just kidding <laughs> hopefully um but we'll see carl will be there cheering them on and hopefully a lot of you guys will be there as well and if if you are going to be there maybe shoot carla shoot carla tweet i'm not sure what carl's plans are in denver but he doesn't have many friends outside this podcast i think i don't know i mean it's just me and him talking all the time i think no is that not true maybe that's just me no, i'm just kidding, <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, it might be a little true <laughs> well, no yeah yeah Buy him a beer. Maybe he'll buy you a beer. Make a bet. Make a Paxton Lynch bet. He's going to owe me a beer pretty soon. So, Shoot Carl a tweet. Follow him on Twitter, at CarlDumblerMHH, and myself, at NickKenlinMHH. And find our Denver Bronco articles on Huddle Up, an affiliate of Scout.com and the CBS Sports Digital Network. Uh, last week, I always like to do the keys of the game every week. Last week, I did Lane Johnson versus Von Miller. This week, I won't say what I'm doing, but I have an idea. And... Uh, Chad asked me to do a film piece, which is always a little bit more of a pain in the butt, but I'll probably do that sometime Thursday. Um, what are you working on right now? I am working on – Chad had asked me to either take on viewing the Patriots' offense or their defense and just kind of breaking them down. And so I think he wants it to be a film piece. But So I, which one do you think I should do, offense or defense? I think their offense is more fun. You probably get more views with that as well. I mean, people want to see Tom Brady, and you can talk about – how the offense has changed 
with the lack of Edelman and adding those outside wide receivers, probably more like that uh, 2009, 2007 offense that had uh, Randy Moss. It's probably more like that than it's ever been. All right, there you go. I'll be breaking down the Patriot offense and how they attack teams. I mean, also they're what the number one or number two scoring offense in the NFL. I don't know what it is after the freaking Eagles went off on us. The Eagles might be one now, but hey, guess what? Maybe the Patriots can hop back up after putting another fifty burger on us. Hopefully not. Um, and yeah, looking forward to it uh, coming up here pretty soon. Uh, Carl and I will start to break into that NFL draft podcast. Uh, we have senior draft analyst Eric Trickle coming on here, and we're going to start with the mother of all positions, quarterbacks. So I think the first episode, which we are planning on recording next week, we will hit four quarterbacks and break them down and debate. If any of you listeners know Eric Trickle, he is a strongly opinionated person and does not back down from his opinions, which is uh, good for podcasts, I guess. We're going to have a little bit of Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp going back and forth here. Um, note, he's a big Baker Mayfield fan, and I, I like Baker Mayfield, but I'm not a top 10 Baker Mayfield guy. What about you, Carl? I know you haven't – this is a little, getting a little ahead. I, I'm not there. Top 10? Top 10? I, I'm more of that 15 to 30 range. Yes, yes. Would be more my my area of where I'd put him. They're just – Big 12 defenses are an embarrassment. You think the Broncos defense was an embarrassment last week? Go watch some Big 12 defense. Guys wide open. And I'm not saying that Baker Mayfield can't hit a guy – that's in a tight window, but he doesn't have to. We, we never really get to see it hardly. So uh, there, there's still some questions for me with him. I need to watch a little bit more, but again, 15 to 25, 30 range, that's where I'd put him. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. He's, not, he's also a guy, but we'll need to save for the podcast, but uh, he's also a guy I don't think transcends scheme. He needs the right coach and the right scheme around if he's going to succeed, which is true about a lot of the quarterbacks in this class, in my opinion. Um, but if you want a quarterback that's that high, he needs to be a guy that has the tools that can play West Coast, um, more of that Peyton Manning style or play vertically. I mean, they need to be able to win in multitude of ways because that's what a lot of great offenses and great quarterbacks do. Um, and I don't see that so much in this class this year, unfortunately. Um, so the Broncos should just might as well wait on quarterback and take Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley next year. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yelling at you right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, he's going to love Stanley, too. You're all going to love him. We'll draft. We'll make a deal. We'll draft Quentin Nelson this year, and then next year we have to take Nate Stanley. I'm good with that. I'm good. Okay, there we go. There we go. <laughs> you can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. Um, we also have audio up on YouTube, which I always like to get on and comment back to you guys. Love hearing from you guys on there. Um, follow us on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us. Uh, we love talking with you guys on all platforms, all hours of the day even if our girlfriends and wives get irritated at us from being on our screens. It happens. For Carl Dunbar, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope we'll get a win this week to break that gosh darn streak. And we will see you next week. And even when they're not playing well, I still got to throw it out there. Go Broncos. Mile High Huddle. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to America. 
the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today.